Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Next Taylor Swift songs played. <laughs> All right. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for spending your Sunday evening with us. After Ric Flair's <clears throat> last match, what a pay-per-view, what to talk about. There's a lot of weird feelings, <laughs> a lot of mixed reactions, and it's definitely wrestling history one way or the other. We are going to get into all of it. So guys, get in your super chats and help us out. What'd you get in those Humper Chats at humperchats.com? Leave a thumbs up on this video, and you can also support us on Twitch at twitch.tv backslash Fightful Gaming. You can send in your bits and support the old Fightful team that way. We appreciate it so much. Also, head over to Fightful Select, where there is more and more and more news coming out of this huge Nashville weekend. Updates on production notes with Raw and SmackDown and all of the changes that have been happening. Of course, $5 a month. Be cool. Be like 8,000 of your other friends. We got a little bit of a subscription bump today. I have no idea why. We're not going to get into that, but we are going to say hi to Wait. Joel Pearl. Kate, I have the scoop as to why so many more people subscribe to Fightful Select today. Can well, I give the scoop you, out? I'll give it uh, out. Of course. Tell everybody what it is. It was the wedding of Denise Salcedo. Hey! Congratulations. Taylor Swift songs were played at that wedding is public information that's not even behind the paywall. So that's right. Congratulations to Denise. We hope everybody that's a part of the Fightful crew that's there is having a great time. But Joel and I are not popular, so we're not invited. We are sitting here talking about Ric Flair's last match. Hold on. And we're talking about Ric Flair's. I thought this was SummerSlam. This isn't the SummerSlam post show. Oh, no, that was that was yesterday. But Jeff Jarrett appeared at both. So it's kind of like a. Uh, oh, so this is like SummerSlam oh, night like two. The, this is SummerSlam night two. Oh gosh, I certainly hope not. Um, but let's just talk about let's let's take the flare match aside because I felt like that was a completely different energy than the rest of the evening. What did you think of this from the perspective of how it looked, how it felt, um, the mix of of different promotions that we got in there in this? 
I I thought the nostalgia factor they nailed without it making it feel like they were trapped in the eighties by this. What were your thoughts? Yeah. So I got it. I do have to put over the production. Uh, it looked really good. The sound at times, uh, there was a lot of feedback in my ears and I mopped wrestling with headphones on. So it was really, it, it hurt a little bit, but overall, I mean, the way the show was presented, they, they, F, they definitely put it in uh, and they made it look good. So I give them that. They had the right cameras. They had the right producers. Um, I really had to put over the the way that they ran the announced teams throughout the night because they kept, uh, first of all, I mean, listen, God bless David Crockett, David Crockett. He's there. He's trying. He's clearly not doing this anymore. <laughs> but they, they knew that. They played to his strengths. And then they kept bringing in current uh, different announcers, just current announcers based on the match that was happening. So if it was an MLW match, you had Joe Dombrowski. If you were doing an Impact match, you had Scott Demore at one point and then Tom Hannafin. Dave Prezak came in, did the pre-show uh, where there was a GCW uh, contingent that were part of the uh, the Bunkhouse uh, Battle Royal. So they, they did a really good job with the announce team. I have to say that. And of course, Tony Schiavone legitimately calling a show uh, as the lead announcer, that's always fresh, and it, it sounded good. It sounded like uh, it sounded like Tony was happy to be there. Leaving out the goat of the entire announce team, Ian Riccoboni. Come on, man! He's your he pal. Was... I wanted you to give Ian. Oh props. well, okay. then then I appreciate that because I I've been singing Ian's praises for a really really long time. I think a lot of people on the ROH pay per view understood why I was always hyping him up. Right, like he did such a good job of closing the gap between people who were unfamiliar with the ROH product where it left off and introducing it into AEW world. And tonight I thought he just seamlessly slid in and did the same thing. I didn't ever think I would be like such a mark for a wrestling announcer, but here I am absolutely marking out for Ian Riccoboni any chance I get, but I don't have like a ton to say on the pre-show for a couple of reasons. One, I didn't know what was happening. And two, right didn't watch it i was trying to seek out the pre-show but usually what happens is fight tv has the pre-show even if it's a youtube pre-show like if you watch the buy-in on aew for example it also runs through fight so um i found out about it through you about i don't know two-thirds of the way through the card and i said buddy guess who's talking about that today (laughs) it's gonna be you pal so why don't you walk us through the pre-show? And if you want to make anything up, I'll just believe you because I don't, <laughs> I didn't see what happened. So, so Sting and Charlotte come out and then they have a match and oh, it's like Sting. a five star. Yeah. It's Sting. Yeah. It's great. Uh, okay. So yeah. I, so I also didn't realize that they were doing a pre-show until I saw some posts on social media with a bunch of the GCW contingent. And I was like, wait, I haven't seen this part of the show yet. And I started a little late, but I caught up, right? So my show opened with the regular fanfare. And then it was the Wolves versus the Motor City Machine Guns. And I'm like, well, that was the opening match, right? Like nothing else has happened on this feed. And so I went on to YouTube and I found that there was a pre-show and that it aired over there on the Fight TV YouTube. And I seeked it out. And I honestly, listen, I'll be perfectly frank with everybody. I, I 
I watched bits and pieces while I caught up on the rest of the show. Um, the pre-show match, they did a, a New Japan Yuya Yumura versus Ren Narita. Ren Narita got the win with uh, a Northern Lights suplex and a pin. It looked good. It was a good match. Simple, easy, Young Lion style match. Uh, and then they had Jay Lethal come out. This was important. This is really the one of the reasons why I was like, we should probably talk about the pre-show is because Lethal comes out with Karen Jarrett. Uh, does his flare impression and then he he does the uh, takes off the, uh, the 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 jacket and he goes to do the, the knee drop and then he fakes it and he heals on it and he's like this looks so stupid why would I do it uh, and then he foreshadows for all of us how uncomfortable this match is going to be and boy howdy was Jay Lethal on the money about that he was <laughs> not wrong. Uh, we do <laughs> we do have a chat that came in from the nerd guru saying I have no show notes but Kate. The bangs are on point. We appreciate you, Nerd Guru. Um, I love how you're reading that. <laughs> of course I am. You narcissist. Of course I am. These bangs are making money. We have no other super chats or humper chats at this time, all right? All this right, is well, the money maker. I'm going so to get, the pay window with these bangs. So how about this? Karen Jarrett is just like, you'll remember me. And Ric Flair was willing to die in this match. And then she says, Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett are willing to grant him that wish. <laughs> Those were her words, Kate. I know How you told me to make shit up, but this is not made up. I'm the main. How was this not on the show? They played the Sting promo, the, the, the Sting potato quality camera thing. They played yes. that twice. They played it on the pre-show. They played it on the main show. They could have put that Jay Lethal promo on the main show, but instead they opted to not, and they should have, but... Whatever they praise that. They were scared they were going to manifest it because, buddy, there are points in this where I was. But we have a whole card to get into before that. Um, And thank goodness because I, the main event was so uncomfortable for me that I was like, I don't know. Um, So as you alluded to on the pre-show, we have Mancer winning the Bunkhouse Battle Royal, which is cool. A lot of GCW talent in that we heard. Um, So that is great. We have Ryan Sullivan chiming in saying, I didn't watch. I do not regret it. Yes. Yeah. I, I can understand that point of view. Go and watch the Bunkhouse Battle Royal if you're a GCW fan. Because, I mean, everyone was there from GCW that you know. Effie was there. Joey Janela showed up. Blake Christian was there. Ali Catch, Jordan Oliver, Jimmy Lloyd, Big Vin, Nick Gage, One Called Manders, Matthew Justice. Bully Ray and Mance Warner were the last two in that match. And Bully Ray gets thrown out by Mance Warner. Mance wins the Bunkhouse Battle Royal, as it should be, because Mance is Mance Warner and he wants that. Uh, and then that's it. That's that's the end of the pre-show. Everyone's happy. Everyone goes to the show. Yay. The main event had me breathless in a scary way. <laughs> if I, I would love to see everybody's DM conversations during this show. Because I can guarantee you that some people were holding back things that they would never tweet publicly about how this match went. I It would be unprofessional for me to elaborate because some of the DMs that I had were with you. But we're going to start at the top of this card, which was, I thought, a really, really fun match. The Wolves, who are Davey Richard and Eddie Edwards versus the Motor City Machine Guns, Alex Shelley and Chris Sabin. This was a really great way to kick off the show. I think we see it in AEW a lot of times. We'll see like high energy tag matches kicking off the show. I I thought this was great. I loved the commentary team mentioning that they kind of laid the foundation for teams like the Young Bucks with their style. Um, the is 
was there a move in there called the facial? Because that was really cool. Yes. That's what it's called. It, that was yeah. really, really rad. I didn't ever remember hearing that name, but I recognized the move. Um, a lot of back and forth here. A lot of really fun tandem office and, and offense, in my opinion, from the Motor City Machine Guns. But uh, we cut to the skull and crossbones for the win. And Shelly comes up limping here. And I'm wondering if this is going to play into his title shot against Alexander, which is kind of a fun piece of potential storytelling, or hopefully he's not just actually injured. But Joel, you are our, our resident impact reporter. <laughs> what did you think of the match, of course, and then any implications that it might have in, in impact programming moving forward? So yeah, I really enjoyed that. I can watch three quarters of this match on Impact TV every single week on Thursdays. By the way, join myself and Cresta Star on the post show on youtube.com slash Fightful every Thursday after Impact goes off the air. We talk about Impact Dream matches all the time, not just the one tonight. Uh, and it was a good, it was a good solid match. Um, like you said, I like Scott Demore on commentary. He was the right guy to talk about the history between uh, the Wolves and Motor City Machine Guns. Really good stuff. Uh, you Like you said, you had Alex Shelley kind of selling his knee or his ankle after the match, and he does have an Impact World title shot on August 12th at Emergence versus Josh Alexander. Sorry, spoilers, but if you really thought Anyway, uh, <laughs> Shelly <laughs> and Alexander on, on August 12th. But after um, after he kind of loosened up, it looks like he got on the second rope and, and was fine. Uh, he may have just been selling for a little bit. Little stuff that I really love about Scott Demore on commentary, by the way, he brings up the fact that Alex Shelley is an occupational therapist. And then on the other side of the ring, you've got Davey Richards, who's an EMT. So like they're both in similar professions uh, and they're wrestling against each other. It's, it's a really, really cool thing that Scott Demore brings up to this stuff. Um, and then he talked about the facial. It's a front, front chancery into a basement dropkick. It's a really easy, fun move with a really stupid, fun name. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool looking though. Some Sometimes simple things that are are fun like that like flashy moves don't always have to be super complicated they don't always have to be like the lethal injection where there's a an unnecessary handspring on the front of it <laughs> but yeah. uh but yeah we've got some super chats coming in now about the main event if you're Let's new go. here and we have some newbies we will get to those main event super chats once we get there but we move along to a match that was not my favorite of the night. We went to Davy Boy Smith versus Karrion Cross. I like both these guys. I just felt like their chemistry didn't really click in, but it was a very, very physical match. Um, they were trading Saito suplexes at one point, which, my goodness, those look painful. We, of course, get the beautiful Scarlet Bordeaux out there as well. I think it is unfair to normal women that we got Maurice and Scarlet in back-to-back -back nights. That's just a rude thing to do to the rest of us. However, um, this match was was very physical. I just felt like it, it was a little rough around the edges. I thought the uppercut into the backslide was a really cool spot. Ultimately, we get Cross hitting the cross jacket submission, which failed, and then following up with the quickening to get the win. Um, I This match just didn't fully click in for me but two guys beating the crap out of each other doesn't really get old i just felt like for promotional showcases this maybe wasn't the strongest thing that we saw yeah slow and plotting the quickening is just a forearm to the back of the neck it's not much i like cross's straight jacket submission a lot better than i do a forearm to the back of the neck um <laughs> i i just i don't know joe dombrowski was good on the on the call with uh with Tony and David Crockett. But other than that, yeah, it just happened. They they asked, you know, what's the similarity between Davy Boy Sr. and Davy Boy Jr.? 
And honestly, the only thing they say is, oh, he works a body part. <laughs> I mean, that is different. That is different. And they kind um, of try to save it and go deeper, but it was just, the match wasn't great. You're right. Yeah, it was just rough. And I think that kind of happens sometimes when matches hit as, with matches that are as hard hitting, I think sometimes they just get sloppy because people are like pretty legit laying their stuff in there. So yeah. I dropped my phone with all my notes on it. I'll be with you in just a second. Oh my God. That's the professionalism. That's why you got to have two screens. You got to have three screens, Kate. You got to have one with the, with the stream gimmick. And then you got to have your notes next to it on a notepad, not a word pad, no, notepad old school. And then you got to have your Twitter on this one. And you got to have your, your super chats and humper chats on the third screen. You got to do it right. Kate, what are you doing? I don't appreciate being lectured about taking notes for several reasons. However, mm. uh, I am working on my office setup very hard. You note taker lecturer, but we are gonna move right along to the four pack between Takeshita, which I'm saying closer to the right way every time I say it, but I think that's still wrong. Oh, no, uh, that's right. Takeshita? Yes, Takeshita. Okay, because I've heard Takeshita. It's I've not heard that. I didn't think so. Okay. It's Konosuke Takeshita. Thank you. Yes. Uh, versus Nick Wayne versus Alan Angels versus Jonathan Gresham. Um, Jonathan Gresham back in his foundation gear. We love to see it. Uh, <laughs> he wanted to work tonight. <laughs> I guess he wanted to work tonight. I think, um, you know, he had kind of said that he's planning on stepping away from wrestling, but he was going to fulfill the obligations that he had already signed contracts for, which is good. And I thought this match was really fun. Um I wish it was a little bit longer. Like, I feel like this one could have gotten more time, but it, but it was great. Uh, Alan Angels slapping Takeshita and him responding with an enormous forearm was very fun. Um, Wayne hitting a code red on Angels. That was a really fun near fall for me. And Gresham with his cannonball suicide dive. Holy cow. Good. That was so good. I also appreciated that Gresham cleared the ring at one point ultimately rolling up angels and bridging him for the win. But we don't get to see guys of a smaller stature clearing the ring off. And that's normally like the big guy spot. Cause he just comes in and throws everyone away. This was so strategically and technically done. I just thought that was a unique piece of storytelling that we don't always get in professional wrestling. So I thought this was, this was great. I expected it to be great with the people that were involved, but it's not all about me. What did you think of this match, Joel? It was over before I really dug into it. Like you said, it was short. I was I was literally doing something else, and all of a sudden it was finished, and I said, wait, what happened? Uh, on top of that, so because I kind of follow progress uh, a little bit, when I heard them say the winner gets a shot at the Progress World Championship, I am, and I immediately knew it was going to be Gresham who gets the win, only because Jonathan Gresham held the title, had to vacate it because he couldn't make it over to uh, to the UK to defend it in time because if he had, there were some concussion issues and some other scheduling, so they stripped him of the title. And so for me, it was like, well, now they're going to send Gresham back to England to compete for the Progress title. Um, but for Takeshita, he's there to have a showcase because he's been all over the place. Alan Angels has been doing really well. He had a great showing against Mike Bailey in Impact a few weeks back. Uh, go out of your way to watch that match. It was very, very good. Uh, and Nick Wayne, who's the son of Buddy Wayne, so there's the JCP connection there. It was it was fine. Like, it made sense to have all four guys in the ring. Uh, it was just a very quick match that uh, probably could have even doubled in time and still been much better than it was. So it happened. Ian Riccoboni, as always, just calls the hell out of it. Uh, he really is so good at... Um, I feel like there's, like, usually a color guy and a play-by-play -play guy, and while it's important to have those roles... 
he's a play-by-play guy that also has a personality, which is not something that we always get. And I was realizing tonight how much I appreciate it. And calling wrestling being its own art form to see so many people get rotated in and out and a lot of them do really well was really refreshing because sometimes that can be its own battle royal. Sometimes that doesn't turn out too well. So appreciated that. Um, we've got a super chat that came in from Henry Casey saying, imagine in 2023, they run a show like this again and Colin Graves call an intercontinental title defense since that pay-per-view doesn't go or since that belt doesn't go on PLEs. Um, I never need to see something like this again. I love the showcase of all these different promotions. If you mean like next year, it's going to be another guy who's closing in on 80 years old. I never need to see that again. And we're going to talk about that at the main event, but it does always feel like now that like WWE's kind of left out of the party. Is that something you think might change under triple H or do you think it'll always be kind of like on the outskirts a little bit? I mean, look at who was on the show tonight. Not just forget the wrestling part. I mean, Jeff Jarrett works for the company. That's one, but I mean, Cody Rhodes sent in a video. Uh, They had, who did they, they, they had Jerry Lawler cut a promo um basically mick foley was on there uh undertaker showed up Bret hart was there like a bunch of people who are either formerly with the company or under a legends deal there's clearly like an okay or just an unwritten go ahead in this case because it's rick flair and there's a conrad connection and people respect him and want to work with him blah 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 but um i can see in the future maybe a little bit more wwe involvement dolph ziggler also sent in a video someone mentioned that in the chat so there you go there there's certainly an okay there um if they do something like this, in the, first of all, like you, I don't want to see this again. I don't want to see anything like this again. But if they do it again, then sure. Oh, yeah, Michelle McCool was also there. It's in my notes. Um, yes. Because Michelle and, and Undertaker together. Uh, I, I got to bring this up. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems, too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Because it's very, it, it makes, it's perfect time to say it. Nick Aldis comes and joins the announce team after the Cody promo. And there's no NWA on this card. Yeah, it's real and weird. Rick, Rick Flair is synonymous with the 10 pounds of gold and they did not have any proper nwa representation carrie morton in a match sure but like That's, that does not count trevor murdoch <laughs> trevor murdoch is currently holding that nwa championship for how much longer i don't care unfortunately but trevor murdoch is a throwback wrestler who would be a perfect person on this match put him in some exhibition i don't care against who but he should have been on this card. Doesn't that have to be uh, Nick Aldis on the commentary? Sure, I don't care. Um, but it should have been some sort of NWA representation, especially for this show. For anybody, like Ric Flair is the guy that it should have been there for. 
it, it's so bizarre to me. I actually was going to bring that up later. Like it, it's such a bizarre thing of, there were two things that fell out of place. One, there was no NWA on here. And two, I felt like, I know Dax is hurt, but I was like, how is FTR? <laughs> I'm going to address that in a second. Cause that's too damn good. It's true. Too damn good. Um, how is there no NWA? And I, I understand Dax is hurt, but the fact that FTR, who feels like they walked out of the mid-80s NWA, felt like they should have been on this card. But I think I'm just so used to FTR being everywhere winning all the time. So just like from a selfish perspective, but NWA not having a strong presence on this card. I know Aldis is their guy, but it was just a very, very odd thing to me too and made me feel like that had to have been political. But um, I yeah. would much rather them not have had Tyrus on the show than them have anything on this show. I don't know what your thoughts on that are, but Greg Greg Carter something in that chat. I mean, and he's <laughs> right. Let's face it. Billy Corgan <laughs> would have sent Tyrus and he would have put Tyrus, he would have sent Tyrus with the 10 pounds of gold, even if Tyrus hadn't won that title yet. And he just would have been like, you represent this now. And that would have been enough. But no, I, I and some people are talking about like Matt Cardona. Cardona recently held the NWA World Heavyweight Championship, but like he wasn't signed to the NWA. He wasn't like a full-time NWA wrestler. Right. Uh, I much more associate the NWA with, say, Trevor Murdoch than I do with Matt Cardona. I just don't know who dropped the line. I know who dropped the ball, but I don't know what happened that they didn't send anybody else. And FTR, once upon a time, remember when this whole thing got announced, there was talk about this being a six man and FTR being involved and it was going to be with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. But of course, Ricky <clears throat> wanted a lot of um, things. So they didn't do that. Instead, FTR got dropped from the card for whatever reason. Who knows? And they are not a part of it. Honestly, they're probably better off. Yeah, I think that that I think I think FTR is going to be okay. I think they'll be all right. <laughs> yeah, I think they're going to be just fine. But we move along to Ricky and Carrie Morton versus Brian Pillman Jr. and Brock Anderson, uh, <laughs> who does not have maybe the charisma that a, a Brock Lesnar does, respectively. With uh, Robert Gibson being with the Mortons and Arn Anderson, of course, being with Brian Pillman Jr. and Brock Anderson. Um, I'll just cut to the the finish here. We, as you mentioned too, we do have Nick Aldis on on commentary. But Brock hits the the Gordbuster and pins Ricky for the Four Horsemen for their for their name for the good name of the Four Horsemen. I thought Aldis was actually really good on commentary, and he's not always my favorite dude. But I really liked him talking about a lot of commentary talk. <laughs> I really liked him it talking. Good. It was really good. Yeah, I think. It, I think this was a situation where commentary added a lot of value. And for a card like this, I do actually think that's something that was pretty important. But um, him saying, like, the the pressure falls to the younger generation here. Like, well, this may feel like a nostalgia match where people don't have anything to lose. Like, that kind of supremacy when it's supremacy that's handed down. That's a lot of pressure to go out there. So I just appreciate it a lot. Pillman Jr. and Brock Anderson, not necessarily, like, my guys, but... Um, nice to see the legacy get preserved here. I don't really have any spots written down that, that particularly stood out to me. I definitely like Pillman Jr. working heel more than I like him as a face. That's for damn sure. Um, what did you think of this match? Honestly, it was fine. It was, I, I like you said, I, I, I like the uh, Pillman Anderson working heel, doing the four horsemen thing with Arn. Uh, I like Pillman pulling out his dad's four horsemen trunks 
I thought yes. that was a really nice, uh, a nice thing to do for his for his dad. Uh, and lately, Brian Pillman's been talking in interviews about wanting people to put respect on his family's name because in AEW he doesn't feel like his his family lineage is being respected. Um, and that's something, by the way, that, that Jeremy Lambert and I talk about on Fightful Overbooked if you watch a show called Newsworthy that we do over there once a week. So uh, Pillman talking about that and then playing into him being a heel variation on the horseman for this match, it worked for me. And I also got to give it to Ricky Morton for letting uh, putting his shoulders down and letting Brock Anderson get a W off of him. I think that's, that's pretty yes. respectful. You know, that's good. I like that. Well, since they're basically active wrestlers again, I guess probably one of, one of them are. Where, yeah, that's a very good point. What do you think of uh, Brian Pillman Jr.'s hair? Luscious, beautiful. Luscious. Do you think it's well maintained? I would assume so. Do what you kind think... of uh, shampoo do you think he uses? Uh oh, that was that's circular. Isn't he a Perp Plus guy? Isn't He's that a out there? Kirkland guy. It's a Kirkland guy. Him, well, and, him and Griff. I think right. I can't remember. It's a scoop on Fightful Select. Go find it. Go find it. Um, but you know what? Sometimes when you need to maintain some stuff, if you want to be looking good in certain areas of your body, you need the right tools to do it. And you might not know where to go with those. But you know what? Sean Ross Sapp is here to tell you where you can get the right tools to maintain hair. Maybe that's in other places. <sighs> Let's be real. Big nasty pubes are gross. You want that tree to stand taller. Sometimes you got to do a little bit of landscaping. Sometimes you got to do a little bit of manscaping. With manscaped.com and that code FIFA, you're going to save 20% off your order and get free shipping. What a deal. And how about this? They've got a ton of deals on that site. They got a lot of bundles, a lot of packages to help out your package. But it's not just your package, it's your body, it's your hair. They got deodorant. They've got shampoo. They've got foot deodorant. They got ball toner. They got everything at manscaped.com. And when you use that code FIFO, get 20% off your order and free shipping. Just a plethora of different options. Maybe you want to try a little bit of everything. Maybe you just want to try one thing. Well, Manscaped and the code FIFO will get you there. Make that tree stand taller and trim it up a little bit with Manscaped. Hey, Manscaped, um, can you send me one of those things? Hmm? Send Joel a package for his package. <laughs> hey, with all the money that you're saving at Fightful Select, you can apply it toward Fightful. You can go to FightfulSelect.com and subscribe there for so much news coming out of Nashville. I asked Sean, is there anything specific you want me to push? And he said, Nah, but we got scoops. We got scoop skis coming out of Nashville, so keep an eye out for those. You can also send in a super chat and humper chat to get your statement right on air here, or send in those bits at twitch.tv backslash Fightful Gaming. I know a lot of you are just waiting for the main event because that's what we were here for, and boy, was it a doozy. Hold on. I got sorry because you put over twitch.tv slash Fightful Gaming. I will make this uh, little announcement now because we're on Twitch and because we are Fightful Gaming uh, starting on Monday mornings in the East Coast. I'm going to be trying to like hang out with y'all 
and play some video games uh, because I have some time on Monday mornings. So uh, take a look over twitch.tv slash Fightful Gaming. I'll be hanging out, probably play some Mario Maker, whatever you guys want to watch or play, whatever. And we'll talk about wrestling. We'll talk about whatever. So we're going to start doing that uh, starting on Mondays, probably tomorrow if you're listening on Sunday. Tomorrow? Your Canadian came out there a little bit. That was fun. That's a rare occurrence. As Canadian as I am, I'm pretty good at... Uh, it's pretty masked. Curbing. Really uh, yeah, are. I'm pretty good at curbing the uh, the stuff. So I grew up in upstate New York, and for some reason, upstate has this very, like, Midwestern, like, flat A's. It's so bizarre. I don't know why, like, this little pocket of, like, the northern part of the country has this very, very weird Midwestern thing. But, like, occasionally I'll come out and say something with, like, a flat A, and I catch myself, and I'm like, oh, no. But now I, I then moved to New York City and Jersey, which has, like, the exact opposite. So I make the weirdest vowel sounds sometimes. It's very bizarre what, what happens, but not as bizarre as tonight's main event, which we will be getting to in a little bit. But we move along to this four-pack with Laredo Kid, Bandito, Black Taurus, and Ray Phoenix. Our moderator, Luis, who's helping us sort out all those super chats and humper chats and keeping you all tame in the chat, says this was the real main event. Uh, and we got a couple of super chats to back that up. We've got Tim Gordon chiming in saying, Lucha four-way match of the night. Main event made me sad. Main event was rough. We're, we're going to get there, but this was so much fun. It was so explosive. There wasn't really anything on the card that was like this. And there was nothing really on the card that felt too much like each other, which that I really did appreciate. Um, there, there was like a lot of diversity in styles of wrestling that we got today. But Luis sends in his own Humphrey Chad because he is a man of integrity saying, just sending this to emphasize the Black Taurus agenda. Also, somebody signed Bandito. I think he's probably going to be in this ROH reboot somewhere at some point. But Holy crap. Um, if you are not a Flippy Doo person, this match was not for you. But I happen to think Flippy Doos are really fun. And in a four pack that doesn't really have any consequences, give me all of them, Joel. I will take it. But we start this with Black Taurus taking out everybody early. We get this crazy, like, huge corkscrew thing from Laredo Kid, and nobody was home. That spot scared the crap out of me. Yep. We get Phoenix being Phoenix, another situation where a smaller dude is clearing the ring, but he does a nice rope walk to kick Taurus out of the ring, an arm drag to uh, Laredo Kid, and then a cutter on Bandito, which was just a very fun, explosive series of events. Bandito with a really nice one-arm press on Laredo Kid in this. Most importantly, Bandito with the longest spinning Huracan Rana I have ever seen in my life. How hilarious and fun was that? Tarus with the spinning suicide dive here. Laredo Kid with a twist dive where he twisted like seven times. A black, a backflip fallaway slam, which I didn't even know I think could really be a thing. But ultimately, yeah. Phoenix putting away Tarus with the fear factor. I know that you've seen shades of this match before. We were talking about it before we went on air. But you know what? This didn't have a ton of consequence. And I thought it was a very fun exhibition. That was a lot of spots I named, but it was real, real fun. What did you think of this match? All right. Well, first of all, since we're talking about the Black Taurus agenda, let's talk about the Impact agenda, okay? <laughs> Bandito faces Ray Horace on August 12th. Stands by his brand. That's I right. like it. 
Bandito <laughs> faces Ray Horace on August 12th at Emergence. That's in Chicago, which is a lucha capital. Black Taurus faced Brian Myers, or sorry, he's facing Brian Myers this Thursday on Impact Wrestling for the Digital Media Championship. We see Brian Myers later tonight. Uh, Laredo Kid just won a tag match this past Thursday on Impact versus Johnny Swinger and Zicky Dice. I was very sad. And Ray Phoenix is a former Impact World Tag Champion, so you can't win them all. Either way, I loved David Crockett on this on this match because he was just he no sold everything. He was just or he didn't no sell. He, he was shocked by everything. At one point, he sees that tornado you talked about, and he says that Laredo Kid should be an Olympic diver. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, he was like he also, a little kid commentating yeah. this in like a fun way. Like I actually found that very refreshing too. He called Bola the PWG event. He called it the Wrestling Gorilla Battle. So can't win them all. But either way, uh, he was a lot of fun. All I could think about during this entire match is how Ric Flair's contemporaries would be watching this and absolutely hating it. If this was 1981, uh, yeah, there would be a lot of people who didn't enjoy this. I enjoyed it. Uh, if you're a, a fan of any Lucha Libre, there is so much to enjoy. We did make reference to the fact that, yeah, this is... A very similar match to the one that happened at Triple Mania. Uh, it was a five-way in that case. So you had uh, El Hio de, v- de Vikingo. But otherwise, everyone else was in that match that happened at Triple Mania. And it was a great match. Thank God Bandito didn't break anything this time. Because he certainly came close off of a dive to the outside. And Black Tour yes. saved him. And then he turned it into a uh, Canadian Destroyer. It was good. It was just, oh, there were so many moments. Uh, Laredo Kid got absolutely just massacred by Black Taurus twice. <laughs> there was a uh, a lung blower that looked really, really gnarly. And then Laredo Kid gets an avalanche press slam off the top rope from Black Taurus. It's a great match. Really fun. Phoenix was the right guy to win because he is the guy that everybody knows. And this was probably the loudest that the, the, the crowd was all night that weren't there for the main event. Agree with you. We got Adam M saying that this lucha match was so good. It humped. It did hump. It would have, I think, a camel for every performer in it. I would say it was really, really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. And to and to your point, this was the thing that the crowd was the most into in a lot of ways. Um, even including the main event at some points, but the main event got the it got what they were seeking. I think after that, but. We move on to the Impact World Championship, and I hated the ending of this because I don't need to see ECW from two decades ago. But but, uh, we got Fatu and Alexander here. Um, We got a huge superplex off the top rope from Alexander that was super fun. Alexander overall just like so smooth in the ring. So, so smooth. Fatu with a, a split-legged moonsault that I thought was really good in this. Um, I think helped a little bit by the camera angle at, at some points in this. But Josh Alexander also with a nasty backbreaker. A pop-up Samoan drop, too, from Fatu that I thought was so fun. But ultimately, I hated the end of this because the major figure nerds, Cardona and Brian Myers, with Smart Mark Sterling, come to ruin everybody's day, causing a DQ from here. I just don't like finishes like this. Um, I don't feel like it feels very nwa either. Like it just didn't seem to fit the nature of the event, which I think is my biggest problem. But we also get a C4 spike on Smart Mark Sterling, which will delight Alex Cardoza, who joins me a lot on Fridays these days. Uh, and we have DDP coming in to, to help save the day too. 
What did you think of the match? And then also, what did you think about the booking of the outcome here? Uh, a match was great. Finish was garbaggio. <laughs> I was not. This was the match that I was most looking forward to. When I, I interviewed Josh Alexander at Greektown Wrestling a few weeks ago, and I asked him about this match, and I asked him about other Forbidden Door matches that he would like to have. He was really excited for this Jacob Fatu match, as he should be, because it was a great match. Both men delivered so much great stuff coming out of it because it's a big, agile Samoan dude in Jacob Fatu. Does a, he does a split-legged moonsault where he hops up to the top rope. He doesn't just climb up. The dude hops up, and it's gnarly as hell. I loved it. That powerbomb backbreaker that uh, Josh Alexander does, another thing that is tough to do when your opponent is that big and that bottom heavy. So there's just so much. Like, Fatu does a tope. He doesn't do a lope. It's not a mid. Yeah. Like, he does a full-on ass tope. And it was just a lot of really good stuff. And then having Myers and Cardona show up, yeah, I took the wind out of my sails, especially because both men are, well, Myers is affiliated with Impact, but he's the digital media champion and he's in a comedic role right now so it made no sense and then cardona hasn't been an impact in months he's been more an nwa guy so it just it was silly it was not fun mark sterling of course is just represents because major figure um and then ddp like it's funny because you see him sneaking up a few rows like the camera catches him <laughs> sneaking up towards the front <laughs> he does his thing and then the best part about the whole like end schmaz is that they use his wcw theme that's it yes that actually was the best part of that, but we've got some agreement in the chat from Adam N saying this Evan finished and Vince booked this. Yeah, it definitely felt that way. It definitely was not like a, a, um, it just, it, it really undercut all the work that they did in the match. Like I just, I, I just didn't like it. And I'm also admittedly like not the world's biggest fan of like, I don't care about figures. I'm like one of the few people that doesn't really give a crap. And like, um, I think the Cardona run has been cool, but he's definitely not like, I don't like him so much that I'm excited about this finish. You know what I mean? So that's, that's where I kind of stand from a matter of taste. I did not like this. There was a lot of talk about pulling back the curtain. If Scott Demore and Court Bauer maybe didn't agree on a finish or they didn't want their, their guy losing, basically it would have been court didn't want Fatu to lose because the Impact Championship is not going to go on Jacob Fatu. But at that point, why do you put the Impact title on the line? You just have a sure. match between the two of them and let somebody lose. And I'm sure in this case, Josh probably wouldn't care. He probably would have taken an L if the title wasn't on the line because he can all make it back on the next matches that he has where guess what? He wins. But otherwise, it was just it was silly to put the Impact title on the line if you couldn't figure out what you wanted to do with that match and a finish. And even if you want to do a non-finish, this is not the non-finish that I would go for because, like you said, there are two really big dudes here. You could do one of those amazing spots and just have neither of them get up after. <laughs> like, they had, there's better cheats than that, too. They had Fatu come out during the pre-show and take out uh, Frank the Clown while he was running down the crowd. Like, first of all, it's silly that you had Jacob Fatu come out twice to do this. Yeah, that's, that's enough. Weird. But you could have had Frank the Clown come out and cause a disqualification because he wanted to get back at Fatu for you know beating him up earlier, and then you have Fatu beat up uh, both Frank, like Frank Clown beats gets beaten up by Fatu and also by Josh Alexander, and then Fatu and Alexander shake hands. They leave the ring and they're like, "This ain't over." Then we do it again. Whenever it is, they could have done so many other things, but they had to get Sterling and Myers and Cardona involved. They just picked the wrong spot. There was a million other places to put them. This just wasn't it. 
agreed. And we've got, hey, what's that over there? What's one of my favorite handles in the world saying, I need to see Jacob versus Brock Lesnar at least once. Here's the thing. That match would be great. But it would ultimately end up, if it happens, with another Roman Brock match. And I'm not letting I'm not letting that go. I'm not letting that go. I don't need to see that ever again. I've seen it like a hundred times. Uh, but if we got him in the bloodline, that is what would happen. We've got Ricardo the Wizard. He's a wizard to say all hail our bot overlords. Yeah, we have the sexy bots in the chats because this was a I was gonna say it's a sexy pay-per-view, but it was just too God, weird. No. I, I can't even say that. Like I it can't was, even it was nope. a sexy show like 35, 40 years ago. That's right. You know what? It was Scarlet Bordeaux. They were like mm. yes. such a big that. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> um, so I will also say that uh there were various as you alluded to before, like kind of cameos throughout the night or video packages that got sent in from Dolph Ziggler and Cody Rhodes and um, former friends and co-worker Sting. Uh, a lot of people that, that sent their best wishes, which was perfectly fine. You know, they got sent in along the way. I think Cody was really nice because it had a ton of sincerity behind it, of course, with um, Dusty and, and Ric Flair's, I mean, notorious history. And as you pointed out, in NWA, a promotion that was weirdly not really represented. Never heard of it. Card. By the way, shout out to Jim Ross who sent in two videos and both of them aired for some reason. The second one sounded like it was like half the speed of normal. Yeah, that was real weird. That was it not great. Slowed down weirdness and I fast forwarded through it. Anyway, continue. <laughs> we get a a Jerry Lawler and Jerry Jarrett backstage here. I don't really have a ton to say about this, but um, if you want to chime in on anything, it was just adding story to the main event, which was cool, I guess. Nobody made chicken salad. I don't care. <laughs> that is an extremely fair point. Um, we move along to a match that surprised me. I don't know why it surprised me, because I think the Von Erics are very good, and I think the, the Briscoes are great. But this match was more fun than I was expecting it to be. We had some some fun spots with Jay Briscoe doing a big flipping dive, followed by Mark doing a dive of his own. Mark with a big suplex and getting the claw locked in as well. Ultimately, the Briscoes winning with the froggy bow here. This is another spot where I think um, Ian Riccoboni adding so much on commentary because he's so familiar with the Briscoes because they've been so important to ROH and the rest of commentary not really knowing them that well was like a very funny uh, dynamic. And I think added so much. And as I'm always putting over Ian, like this was one of those moments where I was like, he's such a smooth play-by-play -play guy, but has so much personality and brings so much energy. This was really fun because they were like, what the hell's a froggy bow? I don't know. The rest of the guys had no idea what was going on. But this match was like a nice little palate cleanser for me, I think because... Fatu and Alexander was pretty technical and hard hitting. And we also had had one, um, you know, obviously with Cross and Davy Boy was kind of hard hitting too. This felt like a, a nice blend that was like very different than the four pack we saw in Lucha World, but also not as slow and plotting. I, I really liked this match. What did you think? Yeah, the match was great. I loved Ian Riccoboni trying to convince David Crockett that the Briscoes are chicken farmers, the Von Erics are sheep farmers. And David Crockett having none of that. <laughs> he really didn't believe the Briscoes are chicken farmers, which they are shoot chicken farmers. It's real. <laughs> and then the redneck kung fu line, David Crockett is just like, what? <laughs> he had no idea. 
this is how you know commentary was organic tonight. He did not know. Like he just I did also, not know. What was I got to point this out because you and I are music nerds. Uh, the Von Erichs theme, the opening to it sounds like a song by Motorhead called Just Cause You Got the Power. Yep. Go and listen to that song. It's the same riff. And I was like, ooh, it's a good. T- uh, never mind. Then it turns into like country <laughs> rock garbage. Uh, Marshall Von Erich wrestling sans shoes just like his daddy i like it his daddy kevin von eric um the von erics are, are the mainstays in mlw right court bauer puts them over all the time they are they're they're one a tag team up there uh and, and they're great they are wonderful the them and the briscoes have a good match but there's a moment that they kind of get mixed up and confused um it was the redneck boogie spot they kind yes. of lost track of where they were supposed to be. And then uh, they kind of moved it to get into that claw bomb and the near fall. They picked it up. They did the froggy bow, like you said, the neck breaker froggy bow. And then that was it. Briscoes get the win. Yada, yada, yada. Good match. Absolutely. Really liked the match. Loved commentary. They just killed me on this. I think we have some people joining us late. I keep seeing the numbers of, of who's joining us go up. And I think it's because the pay-per-view ended way earlier than anyone was expecting. So... Not to be shoving it down your throats and all, but get in your super chats and your humper chats if you have a statement or question that you want to get read on air. If you're on Twitch, if anybody wants to raid us from another chat, by all means, please do. But twitch.tv backslash Fightful Gaming is where you can support us over there. Fightful Select too, man. So much more. So much more coming out of this weekend. I'm assuming there'll be stuff about Denise's wedding behind the paywall as well. Which Taylor Swift songs were played, perhaps? I'm not sure. So... Keep an eye out at Fightful Select, over 8,000 people. And I just, I can't tell you um, how crazy it is to have been hired at this journey right around when the CM Punk story broke. So at about 2,000 subscribers in and to be at 8,000 in that short time, it's been really nice to just ride other people's coattails while y'all put in the work up front. I'll take it. I'll take it. (laughs) But it means so much. We are legitimately publicly funded and this lets people like Joel have a job. It lets me have a job. And so do your super chats and humper chat. So we yeah, always we're trying to get people. We're trying to get people to, to keep their subscriptions. Oh yeah. Mentioning that you have a job here is probably, yeah, it probably doesn't help. Do it. doesn't work. No, <laughs> never. But for free, if for some reason you wanted to hang out with Joel, you can do it tomorrow morning playing Mario games. <laughs> Something. <laughs> so, Twitch.tv slash Fightful Gaming. There you go. There you go. So, we appreciate all of your support and we just hit such an incredible milestone that I, I wanted to put over how cool you guys are to us. But I'll tell you what isn't going over well is uh, Rachel Ellering's ankle as we <laughs> into this. It was such an unfortunate thing. So we have this incredible women's triple threat set up between Jordan Grace, Deanna Perazu, and Rachel Ellering um, very, very early in the match and just on not that crazy of a spot. Her ankle kind of gets bent weird and trapped underneath um, and she is injured. I thought for sure there was no way she was even going to stay in this. Um, And she hung in there the best she could. It was definitely a gingerly performance, but it it threw the match off kilter, unfortunately. Uh, We had a Tower of Doom spot, though, that was really fun in there, which I appreciated. And Ultimately, Jordan rocking the sleeper hold on Rachel to get the W here. I'm sure that's probably why she wanted to fight through, too, is for that <laughs> protected finish to not pin Deanna. Yeah, what else were they were going to kind of do? But, um, you know, the, this match was pretty good for what they, they had to call on the fly. I feel so bad for them. It's the only women's match on the card. It's three really, really great women's wrestlers and just an unfortunate situation right out of the gate. But I think they still put together a pretty good match considering Deanna is such a ring general and Jordan Grace is 
killing it right now. So um, I, I thought this match was fun for what it was, but it did just kind of have a, a storm cloud hanging over it, Joel. Yeah, having that early start where Rachel Ellering uh, hurt her ankle, she gets back, gets back in the match, very admirable. And of course, she's doing it because she's involved in the finish. And it would have really been awkward to try and call Deanna versus Jordan Grace as a one-on-one match, considering both women need to look strong going into Jordan Grace defending that Impact Knockouts Championship versus Mia Yim at Emergence on August 12th. And Deanna and Chelsea Green, they call themselves Vexed or VXT. They're challenging for the Knockouts Tag Titles also at Emergence. Those Knockouts Tag Champions are Taya Valkyrie and Rosemary. You needed Rachel Ellering to get in there. I'm glad that she powered through it. I mean, it looked, it made her look like a million bucks that she did it. I hope there was no extra damage and it was just like a little bit of a, you know, maybe she just sprained her ankle and she'll be okay. Um, just a hard hitting match. These women definitely go at it and they know how to work with each other. There's a spot where Deanna hits a hurricane Rana and goes into the arm bar. And it looks like Deanna just smacked her yes. face on the mat when she went down, but she went into it and like just seamlessly hit the arm bar. And then Ellering breaks it up so that Deanna can put the arm bar on Rachel Ellering after that. He talked about Tower of Doom, doesn't matter, but I do like, I'm sorry, I don't like, this is what I don't like. There, Jordan Grace hits the Grace driver on Deanna Peraza. She goes for the pin. Ellering breaks it up, but instead of going for the pin on Deanna Perrazzo, she goes for the pin on Jordan Grace, which makes no sense because Jordan Grace just hit the move, not took the move. So your psychology's messed up. Either way, Grace wins with the, near, uh, the rear naked choke. Ellering taps out. As expected, someone had to take the pin or lose the match. Yeah, that was... I, I think Ridge Ellering is not in this match. Like you said, if, if both champion if a champion and a contender for a championship were not going into it. And honestly, good for her because this is, this is not an impact program, right? So the fact that she, she still wanted to make sure that the champions looked protected and strong, even though it's outside of like their proper ecosystem, I think says a lot about her. I think that's, that's really, really cool. We have my Mark Order co-host Ryan making fun of me and rightfully so saying that me saying playing Mario games, Kate sounding like a mom in the 80s. I didn't remember which game it was, but I knew it wasn't Mario Kart. And well, I don't play video back... games, so I don't we... know anything. It's okay. Just say video <laughs> games. It's okay. We might bring back Mario Kart. We used to do that on Thursday nights, but uh, Impact then came along and here we are. They're going to play the games tomorrow morning. If you want to play the games tomorrow morning, go on the Twitch. The twitch.tv backslash Fightful Gaming is that I don't know. I don't have a joystick. I don't think that I can play. And if you want to play the games, watch Monday Night Raw with Triple H at the head of creative. Next, it's all about the games. Uh, how and, you play it. And how you play. <laughs> Look at Joel getting in. Do us. the voices with your other co hosts, damn it. <laughs> I will always go to, I will always go to into my silly little games. But, um, Oh my gosh, Louise put something funny in the in the notes that I can't say. So we're gonna move along. No, I want to see what it says. <laughs> we're gonna move along to our main event: Ric Flair versus and Andrade versus Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. I don't know why that popped me so hard, but it did. Um, this is where we have some super chats that have already been sent in. Um, I'll read them and then we can get into our overall thoughts on what the hell happened tonight, and then we'll get into the match. So that's how that's going to go. Oh, <laughs> yeah. boy. Hey, what's that over there saying? 
Uh, should have been Sting and Darby versus Andrade and Rick. That would have been fun. But if Sting and Rick were in the ring together at any point, Ric Flair would, would most certainly be dead. Most certainly be dead. <laughs> like, there's just no way. Um, we have a chat saying that I watched up until Lethal's music hit and I gather my choice of stopping was good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was just so uncomfortable. And again, I'm going to give Joel and I room to, to give our thoughts at the top, but I, I was kind of that way before having seen this anyway. Like I was in the same boat of like, I really don't feel comfortable with this main event for a lot of reasons, but the rest of the card looks pretty cool. So I would like to check that out. If I were not covering it, I might've done similar. And if I hadn't done similar, halfway through this match i absolutely would have turned it off i'm sorry yes buddy we ramble this is what we do we talk about wrestling we've recapped the show if you don't like it you can hit the bricks sorry kate continue i think it's adorable that you think this is me rambling because if you've seen me on other shows this is so streamlined this is brevity and direct don't watch me on anything else if you think this is rambling. You're going to have Lord. a really bad time. Also, we're 53 minutes and at the main event. That's perfectly... Sean is going to be so proud of me. Yeah, he's going to be like, how did you do it? And I'm going to be like, I kept her on track. You're going to be like, we were not getting hit with a lot of chats. It was me, Sean Ross. It was me all along. He's, he's going to look at the money from these chats and be like, wow, nobody wanted to talk about anything. All right. This last damn match. We got Ryan chiming in saying this should not have happened. I thought Flair was legit going to, I'm not going to say the word because YouTube will yell at us. This is a disgusting money grab. I think that's an extremely fair take after seeing what happened tonight. Adam M chiming in too. Adam M, thank you for all your support tonight. We appreciate it. And I think you're kind of newer to the, the Super Chat game. So I just want to call you out and say thank you so much um saying that the card minus the main event was great i don't know why flair wrestled so much and honestly looked completely out of it yeah undertaker looked very worried go yankees i love everything you said especially the last part go yankees not the best game today but we're coming back and just wanted to call out wrestling wriggle who's a five-month member of the fightful main roster uh, crazy for me to watch Ric Flair's first television match in 1974. Wow. And then seeing his last, I hope, in 2022. Thanks for the awesome content, you two. Well, you are welcome for all of our rambling that we have going on. And hey, was that over there saying that Charlotte could have wrestled in a mask? I don't she think have. she I don't think she wanted to see her dad do this, would be my guess. She was, um, was there. But yeah, you know, I heard some people saying whether it's good or bad, it's wrestling history. I heard some people saying that they loved it just because I think no matter what they did out there, they were going to love it because they just love Ric Flair. And I heard a lot of people that were in what seemed like the same space I was who thought this was bad. It was a bad idea. Um, I will say up front that while I understand it's a lot like Hogan for me, I didn't start watching until 2009. So I don't have a super strong nostalgic attachment to Ric Flair other than I love watching mid-80s NWA. It's like my favorite thing to to go back and watch kind of as like a, a fan and a student sort of, like when I'm going and, and rediscovering the roots of pro wrestling in a lot of ways. 
Um, so I have a, a, a definite appreciation for the legacy of Ric Flair. I don't have an emotional attachment. And it wasn't like all that long ago that the dark side of the ring about him came out and we had things confirmed that I think a lot of us probably felt like we had heard through rumors or, or knew in some way that are extremely disparaging. Kate, Kate, Rick had told these stories before. The difference between the dark side of the ring tales being told and Ric Flair telling them is upbeat music. That's all it was. <laughs> he told the damn heiress, he told the stewardess story on WWE story time. He's told, and he told it as like a, ha ha, look how funny I am. I'm Ric Flair. I whip my dick out. And then they told it on Dark Side of the Ring. They put it to a, 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 you get what I'm saying. Yes, that he had already stated publicly the events of what happened. But I think also hearing the victim say the events of what happened is a bit of a different situation. <laughs> I'm going to read this because this is where I'm at in the weekend. Kai <laughs> should have had SRS versus Billy on the card. Look, I'm not supposed to be reading stuff about Billy Body. But if you like, I can't read super chats that call him like oh, a Bailey bit buddies. I love the Bailey buddies, they oh, we were love really Bailey cool. buddies, yeah. I and the new Bailey buddies made their debut last night on SummerSlam, so I'm a big fan of them. There it is, yeah. yeah. Um, I could see Sean fight them, um, but we're not supposed to be calling anybody little bitches or anything like that. But if you send in a super chat that says LB, I can only speculate as to what that would, would actually mean. Um, <laughs> But another chat coming in from, hey, what's that over there saying, Rick is going to try and have a last match in New Japan against Will J or Okada. Rick Flair against Okada. That's the funniest thing in the world to me. For here's, the re here's the reality. I'm just going to say this once. Nobody wants to have this match because nobody wants to be liable for Rick Flair's demise. It was extremely uncomfortable from a lot of perspectives. Um, but they I think the heart attack spot, Kate. Well, from the from Jay Lethal's suplex on, I was I felt like Ric Flair had no idea what was going on. Like that suplex spot was one of it was so stupid. And then that was the high the spot. Rest, that was it. And they should that never have done it. They should never have done it, but let's walk through the match and we'll talk about how weird this is. He comes out in the white robe, which I appreciated. That was fun. Um, we saw classic Ric Flair chops, which you knew you wanted to see, right? We saw a figure four on Jay Lethal, which of course we wanted to see. Which brings me to this other obstacle that there was no, no way they were going to get around. Ric Flair is 73 going on 484. So... The idea that Jay Lethal wouldn't be able, or anybody, wouldn't be able to counter anything that was going on with Ric Flair in the ring meant that this was not going to be good for a match perspective. I knew that. I knew that going in, but now it's happened, and we're talking about what happened. Um, there's no part of me that believes that there's anything that 73-year-old Ric Flair can do to anybody under the age of probably 65 that isn't going to be able to be countered. It just was impossible to buy in. And considering how long this match was, this is my other point. There was no need for this match to be this long. There was absolutely no need for this match to be this long. It was stupid. It was dangerous. It was pointless for it to be this long. The amount of just standing around that there was is absolutely absurd. Um, <laughs> Ryan <stopped>. Sullivan. <laughs> That's why I popped just now. Yeah. 
I've heard, I heard so many people chiming in saying, was this elder abuse? <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, when it's your father-in-law. Anyway, I, I got to point out, actually, there's someone in the, in the Twitch chat, Mike, uh, who said, did you notice that there was a third commentator for every match except for the main? It's, and he says no one wanted to be a part of this. It wasn't that no one wanted to be a part of this. It was that every other match had some sort of current day connotation to it. This was supposed to be the throwback. This was supposed to be the Jim Crockett promotion match. And as a result, this was also the match that David Crockett would have given the most shit about. And as a result, yes. it's the match that he actually like emoted for. So it made sense to go with the two-man booth instead of bringing in a third who had no uh, direct connection to the match. Yeah, I think that's an important piece of this is that there were always kind of like two strongholds. And then because this was essentially an industry promotion showcase up until this point, just like you said, uh, that that is where that that third commentator came in. And I think it's good to have like the guys that are the most connected in, in the main event. Like it almost went the other way of your typical thing where it's like a lot of times you introduce a special commentator for. Uh, a main event or a really big match. This one, you kind of like took somebody away and just let Tony Schiavone do his job. I thought they did a really good job with one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. Um, we have a Humper Chat that came in from NCB saying, hi, Kate. Apparently I have bad judgment since I got Conrad-ed, conned uh, <laughs> tonight. Here's some money because since I ordered this pay-per-view, I figured I might as well send some money for you and your beautiful bangs. Thank you. Hashtag STS um yeah uh in the rest of this match we have karen's shoe spot i actually kind of like this. this i thought was this was kind of fun it was stupid but it was supposed to be stupid fun um jeff Jarrett takes Karen's karen's shoe this was the other thing there was like this whole moment over the match where it was like when's he gonna get busted open because we know what's gonna happen we know what's gonna happen and this is where it happened um he gets hit with with Karen's shoe and he is bleeding like a stuck pig um, we also see uh lethal with the kick the ref spot of course we have to have one of those um and we see andrade who i actually thought was really good in this match considering what he was up against pulling rick flair out of the way of the jeff Jarrett guitar spot which was really good this match ultimately ends with rick flair hitting with the brass nuts which i thought that was a really nice homage uh, and Dave Miller coming down to make the count. Sorry, my uh, notes <laughs> said Dave Killer, and based on how scary this match oh, was, no. kind of appropriate. Um, I would say for the last 20 minutes of this match, I don't think Ric Flair knew what was going on. He, at one point, was just... he Jay Lethal basically like slid into the figure four to make it happen. This was so uncomfortable in so many spots, and by the end of it, like... They were looking for the go-away shot, and he couldn't get up. He had no idea where he was. His face was completely purple. This was so uncomfortable. I described it as it felt like Cody with his torn pec, except it didn't have any of the gutsiness to it. It was just that uncomfortable because it didn't feel like Ric Flair versus anybody but himself physically. I hated this for that reason. I appreciate the way that the match was structured. I liked all the nods to all of the signature Ric Flair things, right? Your figure four, um, the Crimson Max callback, the the chops, like all of those things were great. The history with Jeff Jarrett was there, of course. It was well-agented, so if that was Lethal's doing good on him, I guess. 
watching the match in real time unfold, I felt like I was watching a great grandfather try and wrestle. It was so uncomfortable. I did not like it. If this is something they want to make a repeatable experience, I hate it. I won't do another post show about it unless nobody's available. I felt so uncomfortable uh, for all of it, but the the back half of this, man, it was so uncomfortable. Like, and not for, not like in a Danielson selling his concussion way. Like, this was uncomfortable because I really, toward the end, man, didn't know if he was going to get back up. It was so awkward. So awkward. What was your experience watching one of the weirdest things I've ever seen in professional wrestling? <laughs> oh, my God. Here we go. <laughs> Chat. Kate just I, I wanted to time it, but Kate just definitely went on about a good five minute tirade. Good on you, Kate. Appreciate you. you. Well, we uh, ramble here. So, yeah, we ramble. That's true. I guess I should really. Oh, boy. Here we go. Step it up. Seven <sighs> minutes. Go, Joel. All right. Here we go. Jeff Jarrett using his GCW theme, loved it. And then he ruined it by doing his TNA theme. We found out tonight that Jeff Jarrett uh, is absolutely the wrestler that you hated in Jeff Jarrett's TNA run because holy shit, he took a powder and he he just wasted as much possible time as he could. That wasn't a heel move. That was a holy shit, get me out of here move. So I didn't love that. Andrade was the only face in this entire match because the build was Ric Flair talking shit about Jay Lethal, who was training him for this match, and about Jeff Jarrett, who was just on Conrad's podcast network. And then Jeff Jarrett decided to make it a family affair. And this, by the way, this entire feud played out as like a, a Conrad podcast production because everything happened on their podcast and everyone, not everyone listens to the damn podcast. They didn't ask Jeff anything where they had Jeff Jarrett show up with his wife and his daddy just to ask questions. And they turned everything into why does Ric Flair suck so bad? So that's where this whole story started. Meanwhile, while all three of these men are just talking shit about each other, Andrade is literally nowhere to be found because he is supposedly injured and not even working for the company that actually actively pays him to be a part of it. That's AEW, by the way. He hasn't been on TV there. And the last time we saw him, he was in a fucking photo, pardon my F-bomb, signing a contract with Flair. And what was he doing? Abso-fucking-lutely nothing. Jeff Jarrett was going to get into a fight with a fan earlier. I don't know if it was a plant or not, but it certainly looked like it because it was just some big, long-headed guy. Um, Jeff Jarrett's entrance, by the way, was longer than Roman Reigns' entrance was last night at SummerSlam. And by the <laughs> way, the ramp was about our... two-thirds shorter. Longer than our ramblings combined, Joel, but continue. <laughs> Flair and Jarrett start. And by the way, the entire heat, uh, I feel like, sorry, if anyone's a PW Torch subscriber, I, I feel like Todd Martin on the fix right now. Okay, just, <laughs> sorry to shout out some of their paywall content, but I feel like Todd Martin. Flair and Jarrett start, and that's where the heat is. So, of course, Jeff Jarrett tags in lethal immediately, because that's just what you do after they do a chop spot. Sure, whatever. The fans chant, you still got it. And they're being absolutely serious after there was an opening spot with a friggin head scissors okay <laughs> <laughs> they are not doing this ironically they absolutely mean you still got it i yeah. fucking hate everything andrade makes this big entrance he's the only face in the match again andrade and lethal is the only fire you're going to see in this entire match i'm sorry jeff jarrett he's yoked he looks great but he is absolutely not going to be doing any topes he's not going to be doing any of the shit that andrade was doing at one point andrade almost decapitated jeff but that's later on in the match we're not there yet jarrett finally touches flair and the crowd is just there they don't give a shit like it, it, they've already anyway then there they're chanting so much standing around and then they're chanting thank you conrad again 
unironically in the crowd. They're stalling throughout the entire time. Jay Lethal gets kicked in the balls by Flair because, of course, he does. That's a Flair staple, so good on him. Jeff Jarrett takes a powder, and then Karen Jarrett proves that she is the absolute heel of the entire match because she talks him back into the match. And then Jeff Jarrett takes a powder again, gets to the nine count, and then he enters the match. People are remembering why they never liked Jeff Jarrett as a wrestler at this point, by the way. Flair chops Lethal more, and then he says... For the Undertaker, woo! And everyone's just like, woo! And Undertaker's just like, get me the fuck out of here. Lethal gets put in the figure four. The crowd is happy as hell. And then Flair gets punched by Jeff Jarrett. And then he asks for the boot. We talked about that. Of course, because it's a Conrad Thompson production, you got to get the wife involved. So Megan Flair goes after Karen Jarrett. And what does Karen Jarrett do? She yells at the top of her lungs, past the sensors, I'll fucking kill you. I hope my baby is still asleep in the next room, by the way. Did, did people turn into Alex Pulaski when they're sitting next to me? <laughs> they do a fake heart attack spot. Ric Flair takes a suplex, and that's the high spot. I already talked about that. Jared does a figure floor, a figure, sorry, figure floor, because he may as well have been on the Might, Might as well. Might as well. There's a figure four on Ric Flair. And then Andrade wallops Jared from the top, like just lands on his head. Andrade tags in later. He goes off on Lethal and Jared, sure, because Andrade is the only one with any fire in this match. Lethal super kicks Jared by accident, and then Mike Chioda gets a super kick, and I hate everything. Poison Rana by Andrade looks great, by the way, so I don't hate everything as much. Rick gets the visual pin on Jay Lethal, because of course he does. Jeff Jarrett comes in with a guitar. Andrade pulls away Flair. Flair gets, uh, Jarrett hits Lethal with a guitar. Andrade hits everyone. Conrad throws brass knuckles and his son-in-law not his son-in-law, his brother-in-law. Why is the promoter throwing brass fucking knuckles into the match? Because Flair. Anyway, no, we're not even done yet because then what happens is Andrade puts those brass knuckles on Ric Flair's presumably perished body because he ain't moving. And eventually Ric Flair gets up, hits him with the knucks, gets a figure four on Jared. Thank God it's over. But here's the thing about that. Both men's shoulders were down, so technically this match is a draw. <laughs> Let's not talk about this any more than it needs to. Andrade, by the way, is like consoling Rick after the match and being like, you won. <laughs> and Rick is clearly saying to Andrade, I'm so sorry. Because as we found out later in the post-match interview, Ric Flair did not remember half of the match after it was done. David Miller counts three. You talked about that. Rick goes around to ringside and he's shaking hands with Mick Foley and Undertaker, Michelle McCool. Bret Hart's just like, just give me the fist bump. I don't want to touch you. (laughs) Bret Hart wanted nothing. Nothing. He was like, I was doing an autograph signing earlier today. I don't know what I'm doing here. This is absolute shit. Ric Flair gets on the microphone Tony Schiavone interviews him. He puts over Nashville. He puts over his family. He says that a match against Ricky Steamboat was the best match he ever had. Meanwhile, Ricky Steamboat wanted a fucking Chevy Camry or a, a Toyota Camry to do this match, but he didn't do it. He cries. He says that he hopes that he didn't let anyone down, but he doesn't remember half of the match. So why the fuck did he do it in the first place? And then he says he's going to go downtown with Kid Rock tonight, which, by the way, is just code for Ric Flair is going to be in bed before midnight. I'm fucking done. Thank you, Kate. Good night. If any of you want to send in a super chat or humper chat because you think you can even rival what joel just did my god i mean that was a work of art i give you so much credit i also give myself a little bit of credit because i think when people co-host with me i just bring it out of them somehow um but that that was the that was the match i don't even know how you did that but I'm so impressed. Um, everybody wants you to keep going. I'm cracking up at this. I am cracking up at this. <laughs> the insult of putting over Kid Rock on the way out was just, I think, the 
the icing on the cake for a very uncomfortable experience. But Ryan Sullivan joining in saying, did his life alarm us with the audio? There was so much feedback at some points. I don't understand. They were doing so well. But the best part is, Ryan didn't watch. So... The nerd girl saying get Joel on sour graph stat. Oh my Here's god, I thing. love it. Here's the thing. I think most people know that I can find the good and the stupid and the funny in almost all of the wrestling. But this was one time where I was like, what is this? And then of because course, someone's yeah, life was on the line. Like well, this felt like it. someone's life was on the line. Oh my good lord. And then everyone's like, oh, first of all, shout out to Blake Christian was in the perfect spot after the match because <laughs> well, he was just he was in the background so of every shot afterwards. And then so he tried to funny. give Ric Flair a hug and Flair was like, no, nah, you got the knuckles. Amazing. Oh, I was so uncomfortable for all of it, but the second half of it, especially like it was just. You could tell he didn't know where he was. You could tell. Chris Verano saying the closest comparison I can make to watching this was watching Noelle Foley cry as her dad got hit with a chair repeatedly by The Rock and beyond the mat. Just gross. Yes. It felt like... Um, I'm trying to think about how to word this because I understand... Here's, here's where it is. Danielson selling his concussion symptoms against Garcia made me uncomfortable, but I knew, I knew he was fine. Um, this was the opposite of that. This was Ric Flair doing everything. <laughs> this was Ric Flair doing everything in his power to not look like he was actually injured. <laughs> Joe <laughs> saying you love Ric Flair, want to watch him die, is a bizarre value proposition for a pay-per-view. That is... My God. I, we should just hang it up now. What else What else can we say that's going to top that? That's exactly... Joel is crying in the best way. We've got Ric Flair saying, hell of a break for that Flair match. LOL. Yeah. Yeah. Sean is going to see this. He's going to be like, what the fuck happened? I can't answer that question, Joel. This match broke me, Kate. It broke you. It broke <laughs> you. It broke. It was like, it was such a bizarre experience as a fan because I did not feel like Ric Flair had an opponent in this match. It was just, it's literally is this dude from, I would say like minute, probably like 17 in. I was just like, I don't know if this dude's gonna gonna survive. Taylor Cannon, a 13-month member of the Fightful Main roster, whoop, whoop, saying, I hope Flair is okay. Didn't see the show. Judging from Twitter, I made the right decision. Boy, howdy. It was so uncomfortable, man. It was so uncomfortable. I from the second he got in there, I was like, this like the elder abuse thing. I know that was like half funny, but like it felt like a grandfather was getting assaulted more than it felt like anything to do with professional wrestling. We should have known, to be perfectly honest, Kate, because the the entire listen, I put up that 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 chat um as a joke because I was laughing, but like we all said it from the get-go that this is gonna be like Flair is gonna 
He ain't going to make it through the match. A lot of people said it. A lot of people joked about it. He did a stupid roast where it was the same thing. Everyone made the same stupid joke that Rick's not going to make it to Monday. Rick himself said he's not going to make it to Monday. And we were all like, ha, 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 but what if? And that's what sold this stupid show. It was unfortunately because like there were a lot of really good matches on this show. There was a lot yes. of good wrestling on this show. And we talked about a lot of a really good wrestling on this show. But unfortunately, it was overshadowed by whatever the f- just happened. Rick Flair versus his pacemaker. Right. Chiming in saying Conrad's newest sponsor is the maker of Flair's pacemaker. Well, Rick didn't die with it. No, because he unplugged the damn thing. He said it himself. I just um starting to think if he should have done a tope in that match after all. Thank God for his daughter. <laughs> Apparently Charlotte's the only voice of reason in that family. I guess so. I oh. guess so. Like it was just so it was it was way too long. Because I really thought it was going to be like a lot. I thought the beginning was exactly what it was going to be. I think I thought it was going to be a lot of them standing around not doing shit and getting applause. I didn't think they were going to do you still got a chance at nothing, but they did. Um, I mean, I, I wrestling was, fans don't shock me anymore, by the way, Kate. They don't. No, no, no. no. Those Thank you, Conrad Chant. <laughs> <laughs> they meant it too. They did. I can't. And then on top of that, I, but I thought it was going to be like the story within the match itself was actually good. I could not focus on the story. Like everything made sense from that perspective, plus all the callbacks. I thought it was going to be at least 15 minutes shorter than it was. Um, I just, it, it was one of the most uncomfortable things I have ever watched in my life. Hey, what's that over there saying? Rick would definitely try to take a hidden blade full on from Will. Yeah, I... He, it's rough to watch someone who has no idea what their limitations are. Like he was not cleared by 39 doctors. There are going to be people as soon as now who are going to say Ric Flair loves this business unconditionally. And there are going to be people who make excuses for why Ric Flair should have done this match and why this was the best thing he could have done. Yada, yada, yada. This was stupid is what this was. Um, to put it bluntly, Jay Lethal probably put this entire match together, if I had to guess. I made jokes throughout the last 24 hours. I was like, Jeff Jarrett is going to be on that Usos and Street Profits match, sitting in the corner, taking notes so that he could propose some of these spots to Andrade and then Lethal tomorrow night at the show. But that's not what we got. The, the, the Whatever happened, happened. And this was clearly, because Jay Lethal was the one putting the, the work in with Rick, this is probably Jay Lethal's magnum opus. Good for him. Why not? This will be the match that he, you know, leads by and says he did this. This is going to be the one that he shows everybody. And good for him. That's all I really have to say. No worse than Gypsy Joe. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, what are we supposed to... Lethal did a good job putting it together. I can say that about it. The rest of the pay-per-view was strong. It was completely reckless and stupid. And I also got a lot of chat back at this take because I thought, gutsy as it might have been, it was really stupid for Cody Rhodes to do what he did with his pack. I think it was significantly less stupid than this. But I think it was dumb. I think it was dumb. He almost hemorrhaged during surgery. I don't know if those things are related. But that was not good. Um, I thought it was... It was significantly smarter than this. 
But I thought it was really, A, a bad precedent to set about wrestling through an injury, and B, like a severe one, and B, I just felt like at the end of the day, it's pro wrestling. I don't That's really, I, I don't really give in to the, the using the Cody uh, analogy. I understand where you're coming from. I really do. But to me, the whole Cody thing was like, it's already torn off the bone. It can't get any worse. And I'm already going to have to take time off anyway. It can't get it. Basically, it was like, this wasn't 39 doctors not clearing him. This was one doctor or maybe more, who knows, telling Cody, I ain't going to get much worse. What's a day going to do? And Cody being like, can I work safely through it? And the doctor being like, well, here's what you need to know. And then he did it. And thank God didn't do any worse. But it but wasn't a life or death situation. It, that's why I say not as bad because there are two things sparked that comparison. One, um, he could have hurt Seth and he could have, in trying to compensate for his pec, like in any athletic situation, you can do stuff to the rest of your body that's not good. Um, even if you're, it's torn off the bone, whatever. The second thing was the literal feeling I had while watching the match. When I was watching Cody do it, that's why I said it was like Cody without the gutsiness. I didn't think this was gutsy. I just thought it was plain stupid. Cody, I was like, I think this is stupid, but also pretty gutsy. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, I just felt like this was just pure stupid. Um, Ryan <laughs> just giving us all his money to pop me and himself and you. You two are confused. Imagine how Rick feels. Uh, good Lord. He did not look good after this. No. His face was purple. He couldn't get off the mat. Um, he flat out said he didn't remember half this match um it was it feels so wildly irresponsible and it makes me actually like kind of sad for charlotte flair because like the fact that she had no part of this makes me feel like she wanted no part of this <laughs> yeah i don't have it i mean i i tweeted out like some memories of the past deserve to be kept in the past yeah. this was one of those times like it just I, I see in the chat, like, Robert DeFelice is here, and he's just like, leave the memories alone. And it is. It was exactly that. And we say that jokingly half the time, but, like, this time it was just not, uh, didn't need to be here. Or, like, if you're going to do this, half-ass it. I'm sorry. I know that's not what people wanted. I know that's probably not what Rick wanted. He shouldn't be taking a suplex. You want him to lock in a figure four? Fine. It doesn't actually do anything. You want him to chop some people? He's slapping them. Like, Got a lot of people coming with these life alert <laughs> podcast sponsor jokes. Keep them coming. I'll take Problem them. Is they're going to get it. They're going to get it. Yeah, of course they are. Of course I mean, they are. Listen, the... maybe Flair will get it. Flair will get it, but it won't be for the podcast. Yeah, it'll be like for he'll do a car. Time. It'll be Car Shield. You know, it'll be it'll be a national commercial that Flair gets out of this. Sure. Good lord. I just. Um... Well, we have a I couple don't... more. Well, let's just get a couple more of these uh, Humber Chats, Super Chats in. Sure. Adam M saying, how is there not a commission to stop these things? And you can talk about commissions all day, all day long and whether or not they're good or bad. I don't think there was a commission that was going to stop this one. It just, it was going to happen regardless. And they swore up and down that they were going to be as safe as they could. And that was enough for them. No, we don't need to talk about, about it all day long because commissions are mostly trash and a money grip. <laughs> Again. <laughs> Be yes. that long of a conversation. Um, but yeah, nobody was gonna get in the way of this, but they should have kiboshed it at I don't know, doctor number 27, who said this was a bad idea. 
that's where like to me the conrad responsibility piece comes in i'm not gonna say it's elder abuse i'm not gonna say that um he's responsible for what happened after the bell ring but if it's taking a guy 40 doctors to get cleared for the match don't do the match i'm sorry like i know i know you probably made a ton of money off of it and it's a significant moment for you this was stupid i just i just think that it was stupid <laughs> Yep. And then Kayaka guy sending us the bits on Twitch. Thank you. Twitch.tv slash Fightful Gaming. They tried so hard to say whatever the match was supposed to be, and they never tagged legally, so the ending was moots. It's true. It's true. Both shoulders, both sets of shoulders being down, I think, is a hilarious thing. Um, yes. uh, last one's for you to read from Nerd Guru. Nerd Guru. <laughs> So before, Joel and I were doing a voice because I sounded like an 80s mom, according to Ryan. And he said, Sheila made an appearance. Does Linda know about this, Sheila? Well, buddy, I got good news for you because Alex Pulowski and I are doing the Raw Post Show tomorrow. So you actually ended up giving us a perfect segue into wrapping up this weird little post show for the weirdest show that I've ever covered or seen. Um <laughs> But before I plug all of my stuff, we'll give you another second to um, get Super Chats and Humper Chats in if you want anything like this great one from, from Elvis Austin saying Ric Flair thought he was Bob Barker beating up Adam Sandler. That is price is wrong, bitch. Price is wrong, bitch. That is a perfect, perfect pull. Um, overall, I know how we felt about the Ric Flair match. What did you think rest of the card wise? And do you think this is something that they should in a more responsible way, try to make a repeatable experience? Said it since day one, Kate. Ric Flair's last match show is an extremely excellent card put together with the exception of Ric Flair's last match. <laughs> the show itself mostly delivered. Okay. There was a lot of really good stuff because a lot of the wrestlers were younger and knew how to do the job. Uh, that's about it. It came, it went. I never want to think about it again. Um, hopefully you guys and girls and our friends beyond the binary got some laughs out of it, especially going on tirades, because I'll tell you, I ain't done that before on the on a five foot show. <laughs> oh, he graduated. <laughs> we got another chat that came in from Kyle Stevens saying, What repercussions if the worst case scenario you think? I don't know, honest to God. I mean, maybe Worst case scenario is Rick doesn't make it through the night. Right, but what are the repercussions for like a Conrad if that's the case, right? They like, signed they signed NDAs through the ass for that. Like the, there's a there's a there's an emotional toll that comes with that and I'm sure the family wouldn't be happy, but I don't want to talk about that. Regardless, I can guarantee you legally everything was set up so that everything was fine and I'm sure Rick signed off on everything knowing fully that if the, he had to do a Ricky the Ram finish, he would have been fine with it. Yeah. I think uh, the I's were dotted and the T's were crossed for that, but I, fire I think me. I'm already fired. Fire think, me. I'm already fired. Sorry. I think it's possible some licenses would have gotten pulled, but other than that, um, man, I, I, uh, I'm glad that we don't have to answer that question in a real way. I'll put it that way. Absolutely. Um, what else? Anything else? You never want to see Jeff Jarrett wrestle again. I get it. Uh, <laughs> I'll say this he worked his ass off to try and make this the best it, it could be he knows his own limitations as a wrestler I think that they're very limiting but he did his best to tell the story here and 
that's all I can ask from him in this very weird scenario. So there's that. Yeah, there's like almost a thousand of you, probably more than a thousand because I don't have the full numbers hanging out. But I think, <laughs> it, I think it's time to, to, to go home for our last match of the Smash Man. <laughs> Joel, tell the yes. great people of, of Fightful World where they can find you. I'm so easy to find. I am at Joel Pearl, J-O-E-L-P-E-A-R-L. I am here at youtube.com slash Fightful every Thursday night after Impact Wrestling with Cresta Star, who is an amazing co-host of mine talking about Impact. Come and join us. Even if you don't watch Impact Wrestling, you can still chop it up with us. We talk about the show. We talk about what's coming up and all that other stuff. It's a fun watch. It's an easy watch. Cresta is amazing, and I am just there. Uh, you can find me also over at Fightful Overbooked. That's FightfulOverbooked.com or youtube.com slash Overbooked. We're over 13,000 strong, 13,500. Keep subscribing to that channel because we're going to overtake the main Fightful channel one day, I swear to you. Uh, and I've ranted on that channel before. If you watch Tim and Joel pod, I have absolutely gone off on that, but uh, you got to go and watch it. So there you go. That's all I got. And speaking of the main channel, you can find me on right back here tomorrow with Alex Pulaski, who goes on tirades far more often than Joel did in a, a very similar style, but we'll be doing the, Raw after SummerSlam post-show while Denise is off enjoying her newlywed status and Sean is, I'm sure, traveling back and forth. Some more. You can also catch us on Tuesday doing sour graphs in what might be a new era of NXT. We're going to see Wednesday's at the Mark Order podcast and Thursday. I am sleeping in because I've done a podcast every day since Monday. Some days, too. But one super chat to close us out here. Coming in from, hey, what's that over there saying somewhere? Shawn Michaels is crying because he gave Rick the perfect last match. Shawn Michaels, who also sent in a video for this last match event. And I'm pretty sure at one point, Ric Flair said, Shawn Michaels, it should have been over with you. That should have been the last match. That's such the perfect point. That's it. That's it. Shawn that Michaels, it should have been Shawn Michaels and Flair. Point. That should have been it. Oh, man. Guys, if you could smash the like button on your way out so that people can find us in the algorithm, because I think people might be looking stuff up about this very, very weird scenario. And that would be so, so helpful to us. If you could just leave a thumbs up on your way out on this video. You can also find me at Miss Kate Fabe on Twitter and on TikTok and Kate's on Instagram. So thank you so much for joining us. Have a great week coming up and we'll see you right back here tomorrow. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands, including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. Save big money.